You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. One of the great uh, football people, one of the great men in, in, in my lifetime, Colin Carter, who was uh, a 12-year, 12, uh, nearly 10 years actually, Frank Croster, the one before him, was uh, president of, of Geelong. We're talking about Geelong here, and I'm talking about Colin Carter. Hi, Colin. Good evening, Good evening this evening. How are you, Malcolm? Good to be with you. Yeah, that was a good start, wasn't it? Great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cole, thanks for doing this. Look, the cats, they're there again. Can I just, just, just for our listeners' sake, I'm going to go back. One of the great things about the Geelong Football Club, I got involved, obviously, back in 89, and Colin was on the board then. He's been a lifetime supporter. He wears blue and white hoop pyjamas to bed. Well, almost. Not the <laughs> Not right, <laughs> right But... Ron Hovey was there for 10 years as president. This is in, you know, the last 30 years. Colin was there for 10. And now, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, who, who were there before? That? Oh, Frank Costa was there for 12. So yeah, stability at the club has been the hallmark of Geelong Football Club since you've been involved, Colin. Yes, I think it's a great asset. And if you can pull it off, um, you know, it's a, it's a well-organised club. It's a club that attracts good people to work there. Um, people understand their roles. There's a culture of working with each other rather than people having silos. And um, I've always argued that if you can get your organisation basically right, you've got a chance of getting nine decisions out of ten right. You only get four or five right, then you're probably going to be struggling. So if you get it mostly working right, it's never perfect. If you can get it mostly working right, right you're in with a real show. Now, Craig... Uh, Drummond took over from you as president, obviously, and Stephen Hocking was appointed yep. CEO. And it is the best boutique stadium in the Southern Hemisphere, the Geelong Football Club at Gardenia Park now, and the ground there. You've done a remarkable job for, you know, for a what, you know, a country town as you call it, a little country town. It's done a remarkable <laughs> yeah, right. done a remarkable job. It, it always fight and always had for the last 30, 40 years, fought well above its weight. Yeah, I mean, the whole history of the club's amazing. It's the second oldest football club in the world. So it's been there. It started before Abraham Lincoln was president of America. And so <laughs> it's been there It's been there a long time. It's an astonishing story, actually. But the uh, the performance of the club over the last um, couple of decades has been uh, has been pretty extraordinary. I think um, since 18, uh, 1990, when 89, when you came, I think our win-loss record is better than any other club in the competition since then. So... Um, there's a lot to be proud of. I guess Colin Carter, Colin Chris Scott. I mean, you should be proud of him too. I think all the Geelong fans are. Most people felt Geelong might slip given the ageing list and that they've. Um, but what a year! I mean, it's a remarkable year. Finish on top. They're into a grand final and uh, they're favourite, and uh, they're probably playing as well as they ever have. So, hats off to Chris Scott. Yeah, I think uh, he's been done a fantastic job. I mean, there's. The narrative often around the footy industry um, observers is that um, 
he uh, he hasn't been very successful because he's lost some preliminary finals. I uh, some finals. I um, have a very different view on that. I mean, since 2011, he's completely rebuilt the team. Only Hawkins, Selwood, and Mitch Duncan are there from the 2011 Premiership. He's completely rebuilt it. They haven't had a, a, a draft pick inside the first ten since 2006, mm-hmm. which was Joel Selwood. And so to be able to be rebuild, rebuild the team and always in contention as an amazing achievement. And a lot of those years when we made the finals, um, I always felt we were punching above our weight. We got there and then got beaten mm. by a better team. But, but most other teams, I mean, the whole AFL system is designed to make sure that teams can't do what Geelong has done. And so I think, I think he and his colleagues have done a wonderful job. And to change the style, I mean, it's quite evident from playing possession-type football and, and going slow then a little bit quicker forward. They're going through the middle. You can just see them, the high-scoring team there. Defence is outstanding, and to be able to have so many 30-plus-year-olds and all playing well, I mean, it's good for the fitness staff, but the coaching group as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the age profile is sort of a bit biased by the fact that Selwood and Hawkins are in there. Um, I uh, Averages don't mean an awful lot, and I uh, at risk of lowering the tone of your your program. I Every time I hear people talk about averages, I'm reminded of my professor when I was a student at Harvard who told us that the average American has one testicle, which was um, a pretty good way of convincing us that averages could be quite meaningless. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, on, average, on average, they're an old team, but I uh, think that you've got to dig behind the averages to, uh, to uh, make more sense of it. Clever. That, that's the cleverest thing I've ever heard you say. God, that's brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? When you think of it, oh, yeah, that's right. Half the world. Yeah, of course it is. I'll tell you what it's memorably true. That's right. Yeah. Hey, now, look, I did some numbers today. David and I talked about it earlier in the show. But, um, yeah, look, the Hawthorne oh, – sorry, the Geelong average is 162 games of the players that played last week and hopefully play again this week. So that's quite high, excepting – 2015 Hawthorne team averaged 167 games. Now, that was the end end of their third uh, premiership. And I don't remember us talking that greatly about that sort of experience. No, I I think uh, for some reason or other that attracts a lot of attention about Geelong. The other thing, if you talk about Hawthorne in 2015, I think it's true to say that Hawthorne hasn't won a final since 2015. And yet, Scotty... Scotty keeps getting um, mm. attacked by some people because he's got to the finals and then lost some, whereas um, most teams, after they've won a few like that, don't get to the finals. And so, um, no. Anyway, the old fellas, Selwood and, and Hawkins, are having good years, and so um, I'm very hopeful that they'll pull it off. I'd, they'd be, I'd be the happiest man on earth if they pull it off on Saturday. I'm sure you would. Now, listen, we, I, I did have Selwood, Hawkins and Duncan. You've already told my thunder uh, from eleven. This is David and I had a debate before, just over a cup of coffee before he came on air, and I just said, is Joel Selwood the best player at Geelong, Polly Farmer, Gary Ablett Sr., Gary Ablett Jr.? Where, where do you sit? Now, are you going to sit on the fence or are you going to actually nominate someone now? You've seen Joel oh. nearly every game of his whole life and Gary Ablett Jr., and Gary Ablett Sr. for that matter. Yeah, I mean, and I followed Geelong because I wished Polly Farmer as a um, – as a teenager, I mean, I, I think it's the wrong question. I mean, I, I would probably say as footballers, a couple of those other guys I'd put ahead of Joel. I mean, but Joel, the total package of Joel, what he brings to the club, his leadership and his impact on the team 
I'd have him out in front. So it's a bit bit about how you mm. ask the question. Uh, That's so, how it um, <laughs> Yeah, actually, I always got an answer to that. Bart Cummings used to say, you know, the 12-time Melbourne Cup great trainer, used to say champions are to be admired, not compared. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the absolutely remarkable thing, I mean, Joel won the, um, the AFL Community Service um, award the other night at the Brownlow and people ask, well, you know, how serious is that? He spends an enormous amount of time uh, with people that you wouldn't expect him to. I, mean, I lived in the hub with the team up in Brisbane two years ago and I was surprised at how much time Joel just spent with the marginal guys in the team. He doesn't huddle with all the elite players. He spends a huge amount of time with them. He's one of the, the people who regularly... I mean, I, I had a bad illness diagnosis um, six or seven months ago, and um, I'm fine now. But Joel, every month I'd get a, a text from Joel just saying, how are, you, how are you traveling? And I'm not even on the board anymore. And I think so many people have had that experience with him. He personifies, I think, two attributes which uh, go to the heart of the team success. He's unbelievably competitive, mm. but he's unbelievably caring. And uh, you think about it, it's a pretty unusual combination. There are a lot of people out there who are very competitive, but they're not very empathetic mm. and they don't care about other people. There are a lot of people who are very caring, um, but the rest of the people are cuddly. I'm not talking about football teams. But he's got He and Scotty, you wouldn't find two people who are more competitive than those two, but the the whole place is a very caring environment, and I think it's one of the reasons why they get the best out of their players. Yeah, I think as a neutral footy fan, I think he'll go down as Geelong's greatest exactly for some of those things you said, some of the qualities he's got. Uh, Colin, tell us about Geelong. Everybody that goes Geelong, um, we describe it as a big country town, but they love it down there. We've been there a few times. I find it so cold there commentating in winter, but it's a beautiful spot. You've got the water there, you've got the land, and what makes it so good, yeah, being out of Melbourne, but nearly everyone that goes there loves the place. Yeah, and that's, that's changed. I mean, Malcolm would remember when he came there, um, the place was regarded as a bit of a rust bucket. You know, Ford was closing and yep. Pyramid had collapsed. And yep. Uh, yep. and we used to wonder whether we could get good players to come there. And I think those those premierships changed the psyche of the place. And, and as in the case of Newcastle up north, the closure of a couple of those big manufacturers actually didn't spell the end of the town. A whole lot of other things grew up. The, this foreshore has been renovated, and I think we have Jeff Kennett to thank a bit for that, but it's now regarded as a place that's really attractive to live. I mean, I was listening to um, uh, one of the players talking the other day. I've forgotten which one it was, but he said he basically lives on a farm 20 minutes away from the club. Mm. Well, it was Hawkins, uh, I think. Tom, yeah. Tom Hawkins. Might have been Tommy, yeah, and then um, Cameron's Cameron got his well. farm. And Paddy Dangerfield's a bit further away, but he goes fishing and I think the club's culture also is interesting that I think the players spend have always spent less time at the club than most other clubs expect their players to be so I think their lifestyle is respected their family obligations and I think that generally the culture and this comes back to the leadership group um, you've got to have a good leadership group to get away with this but I think they're very clear about what things you've got to do together at the club and when you should be there but the rest of it's your time and you're expected to do a whole bunch of things at your time and I think that generally it's treating people more as adults um, and it's certainly a formula that works pretty well. Yeah, that life sport balance that people talk about, I couldn't agree more. I, I was going to say about the Western Districts, I mean, you know, it's, it's such a catchment area in the old days for Geelong. There's still a lot of residue Geelong supporters there and, in fact, there's there are all over Australia. Dangerfield and Cameron, I, I, I really believe 
went back to Geelong. It's it's almost down the road from where they live ish. Yep. And, and as I've said to you, Colin Millens, I've never known another place so similar to Adelaide in the outlook, uh, the way they operate. It was just a joy to be there because everyone to me was very similar to Adelaide. You know, Big Brother was across down the road for you and Big Brother's across the state border for us. So it was just a wonderful place to, to be and to live and to also to play footy. I think it's become a bit of a competitive advantage for the club as we progress into uh, further into this pretty complicated world that we're living in. Just one quick yeah. one. And while you've been there too, Colin, Geelong don't lose many players. And uh, you look at that great sides of, you know, 7, uh, 9, 11. Yeah. And those a lot of those players could have got way bigger dollars when you look at all the superstars in that team. But they all elected to stay and, and for success. And I, th- I think that sort of is a great attribute for your club as well. Yeah, we did lose Gary Ablett. Um, and uh, some some of us think we might have won another couple of flags. If he came been, back. But, he uh, came back. <laughs> but he came back. Yeah, and there are reasons why he went. Were pretty uh, pretty reasonable. I, I was proud of the fact that at the um, at the best and fairest night, when it had just been announced that Gary was leaving, he actually got a standing ovation from the thousand people there. I mean, you could have wondered whether he was going to get a whole lot of booze. But I think that's also part of the the um, the package which is it's part of the if people have got better opportunities to go elsewhere they go with the club's blessing but I think that also means that um, they're never short of good applicants of people who want to come and work there because of the environment yeah and 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 you've been very good at uh, I guess cherry picking some good players to come back to the club just a quick one you, you know the um, I'm sure you've aware the commission and the presidents are all looking at this Tasmanian report that that you spent a lot of time on and looking forward. I think everyone's in agreements. It, it it probably will happen somewhere down the track. And you're still of that mind that Tasmania does deserve a licence somewhere in the near future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it. Um, I mean, the decisions about the composition of the competition are long-term ones. I mean, once you're in, you're expected to be there for a hundred years. I mean, so we got we got five clubs, four or five clubs now that are more than 150 years old, which is astonishing. So. The decision on Tasmania shouldn't be made on the basis of whether next year or, or something about whether there's a recession going on. This is a, this is a decision for the long term, and I'm, I'm quite heartened. That I think the, the impression I'm getting is that it's got pretty good chance of getting through. Hey, Colin. Hey, good luck on the weekend. Um, have a great day Saturday. I've got a son and a grandson in the blue and white hoops at the MCG. I'm sure they're looking forward to the Cats winning in a great weekend of footy against the Swans. It should be a fantastic grand final. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks very much for the conversation. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.